physicality. Puff and bubble gum. We got to do a roll call. Who want to go first? Me. I'll go first. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Like it's I'm Tiffany. And the loud mouth over here is your girl, Drea. So, naturally, <laughs> yeah, it's our first episode. We actually had several episodes. We had to re-record, so we're going to try to make it nice and queen and squeaky for everybody. So, episode one is talking about fan service, starting with fan entitlement. Fans love their shit and become emotionally and monetarily invested in these bodies of work, be it movies, novels, comics, and video games. But with social media, all the fans and creatives and actors are really interconnected to the point that fans have become emboldened with their opinions and their motherfucking demands. Can the church say amen? Amen. 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 Preach. <laughs> <laughs> But it could be a double-edged sword. Like, sometimes it's great and sometimes it isn't. Like, the Sonic the Hedgehog bullshit. That first trailer was a mess. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely yes. horrible. You nailed it on the head. God, it was... Okay, I'm gonna back up. I liked that they used Gangsta's Paradise, but I only didn't. because it added to kind of, like, the ridiculousness yes. of the situation. <laughs> you know what? In that and regard, I yeah. thought that brought its own sort of over-the-top ridiculous charm, and so I was like, "Yes, this is perfect." <laughs> but the rest of the trailer was a train wreck, and I'm like, "Oh no!" If I watch it, it's literally only because of Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, that's probably be the only reason I would have gone. It was for Jim Carrey. Everything when- else is like. Ugh. Yeah, every, it was ridiculous, and I'm being honest, I am not into those type of, like, over-the-top movies, the overacting, the, it just does nothing for me, so when I saw the trailer, I said, like, yeah, I'm not seeing that one, <laughs> I'll pass. Well, it definitely would have had some competition, because, um, I don't know when it was supposed to come out originally, but now it's coming out on Valentine's Day, Yeah, and that's the same day that that new Issa Rae, the Keith Stanfield movie, the photograph was coming out. So if I had to like choose like between Sonic and the photograph, and it was the original vi- visual effects from Sonic, definitely would have given all my coin to the photograph. But now since it's been redone, I'm giving my coin to both on the same day. Oh, you're sweet on the same day. I am. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. Like I have movie. a husband. You know, I'm trying to. You know. Meet all the needs. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> we gonna meet our nerdy need, and we gonna meet our romantic Aww. need. We gonna meet every other need after that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> somebody gonna get ass that night. So back on this Sonic shit, how do you feel about executives thinking that hyperrealism is the new wave? Because we've been having a lot of VFX monstrosities lately. Did like anybody watch fucking cats? No. Anybody? 
No. The trailer Girl. freaked me out to the point Girl. where I closed my eyes when I saw it again. <laughs> I didn't want to see it again. I okay, saw that shit. I, I didn't pay I, for it, but I saw it. <laughs> There's not enough acid in the world for me to think, yeah, you know what? Cats looks great. Let me watch it. You know, I we did want it to be under the influence of the Mary Jane, but I could not find any edibles quick enough. <laughs> I think you need to be high to watch that because it wasn't finished. They were sending updates of that movie. I remember you. Yeah, because I all heard the visual that. effects wasn't ready yet. How do you and, do that? And I guess for tip for tap, also the VFX house that was doing Cats was also doing Sonic. So I don't know if cats got like y'all. We gonna wrap you up. <laughs> we well, got another client. About the VHX for cats, at least to me. Have you all seen the movie Mirror Mask? No, no. Okay, so I think it's like it's either British or Canadian, but it's about this girl who goes into this alternate world, and there's a lot of visual effects. And the visual effects, it's like a fantasy world that she goes into. It's kind of like the um, Pan's Labyrinth, but not really. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like the idea of traversing worlds and finding a missing princess and blah, 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 blah. Um, but like the visual effects for when the movie was released was top of the line. But because of the way the story was going, it's kind of gritty. So... As the visual, as the movie ages, the visual effects of the movie actually kind of add to this sort of dated yet timeless storytelling. And the, honestly, the visual effects for cats kind of had that initial visual, but whereas in Mirror Masks, it adds to the story mm-hmm. for cats it was like oh god why <laughs> yeah it was just a hot ass mess and then on top of that they're using mocap and i think that destroys the beauty of the choreography yeah because, because... with mocap you get the floaty effect and it's just like mm-hmm. it doesn't no feel weight. right anymore mm-hmm. you're right there was no way and like they had dancers lay twins if you recall mm-hmm. them from dancing with beyonce they're always on tour with her yeah. Oh, I love them. They were in cats. But you oh, could tell it's them, but the movement just didn't feel right. Right. Mm. And so I'm like, damn, you guys really fucking up because this is all about, you know, it's a quirky ass musical. I don't think you're supposed to take it seriously, but these dance numbers are a point. But the mocap destroys that. And then your visual effects is trash. You have floaty faces. Faces are not aligned with the body. And it's like, why? <laughs> yeah, that movie seemed like it was going to be a hot mess for the trailer. So I was like, mm, nope. I'm alright. Yeah, somebody one. almost pulled me into going to go see it because they're like, he's just about cats. And I'm thinking, like, it's a live performance. And so sure, like, I wish oh, it was. Snap, I get to see his finds behind on stage dancing and twirling and it's getting tight. So then I found out it was the movie and I was like, mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we had cats and then we had the very emotionalist brought to you by Animals Planet The Lion King, the remake nobody I fucking asked for what's hilarious to me about the reaction to the live action Lion King, which I admittedly didn't see but I listened to the soundtrack which was disappointing 
Oh. Um, it was. It, it was. And I could go into why it was disappointing later, but um, the funniest thing I heard was I listened to a lot in NPR, and there was a film critic reviewing the movie, and he describes in detail how at the beginning of the movie, there's this beetle rolling a ball of dung at the very beginning of mm-hmm. the movie. Yes. And that that was the most interesting part of the movie. <laughs> That is hilarious because I might agree with that. You know what? The thing is, that part wasn't the most interesting. Why? Because that was the part where Simba collapsed on the floor and his fur and essence and smell wafted through the savanna no, to Rafiki. I know what you're talking about. And it got so convoluted because I'm like, yo, that's a long ass scene just to say the nigga's still alive. Fast forward. Wait, wait, no. I know what you're talking about. That's the second time. I'm talking about oh, at the really? very like, opening yes, of the, the movie. Opening. That it was at the opening? Damn. Yes. Damn, that's funny. Like, <laughs> <laughs> at he the said very the beginning? very opening poop rolling scene of the movie <laughs> was the best part of the movie. I wanted to know where the Vita was going to take it to. I was like, I was kind of <laughs> in this Beatles story. <laughs> he was invested in the Beatles. Yes, I was. Oh, gosh. You're like, oh, but- Mr. Beatles, where are you going? Right. But... It's but just no, I, bad because the circle of life is that shit, and it just did not feel as impactful. No. And I heard, um, was it the "Can You Feel the Love Tonight"? And it literally sounded like Beyonce featuring Donald Sheldon. Glover. Yep. Like it dated. There was no chemistry between the two. No. And whoever did the audio balance definitely placed her voice yes. on top of his. Yes. And I'm like. The what? whole scene, that scene in the animated movie is so beautiful. Cause you see them falling for each other and then like the um the background and everything, right? It's like a whole feeling. You got the mood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but in this one, this shit was just it was awkward. It was like it was. Uh, well, it's because they can't emote. Right. They're like supposed to be living animals. And that was one of the critiques of the film critic was that, you know, you want these animals to have some sort of emotion, but because they're supposed to be like hyper real, there's no emotion and it all feels canned. Which leads to me saying that I could not connect with this movie the way I did with the animated movie. Just because they couldn't emote and I was just like, you know, it felt like they were just retelling the same story, but it was nothing new that they were bringing to it. It was Mm -hmm. more, it was dull. It was like lifeless. And I was like, what was the point? Jamon and Pumbaa didn't even cry at the end of Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Like, that's one of the best parts of the song. It is. It's a great part. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm waiting for the (laughs) at the end. And it never nothing. (laughs) And I'm just like, are you this is what we doing now? Right. Disney knows who their target audience is. Their target audience for some of their movies and some of their programming is geared towards children, but they know their biggest market right now are millennials, people in their like early to mid forties to um like early thirties, late twenties. They're Girl. the target audience. That's why Pandora has Disney charms. Right. Like yeah. what five year old is gonna be wearing a Pandora bracelet with baby Yoda's head on? 
Nobody, nobody, nobody baby. <laughs> <laughs> Not them cheering. But yeah, like with that whole mixing with Can You Feel the Love Tonight, it's like you just insulted both artists because now you made it seem like Beyonce can't do duets and she can do duets. She, she can very much do duets. She has the capability. But the also, yeah, with that scene, it just didn't have the same tone with the color because they weren't trying to do it frame by frame mm-hmm. with the show. Even though some shit felt frame by frame as fuck. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yo, you have this vocal performance, but the characters <laughs> ain't doing none of the yeah, work. Yeah. So it's it like, you just wasted. Just, you know, the actual characters themselves were just... It was they had no movement. They yeah. had no emotion. They were just there. <laughs> and I think I could sense that from the trailers, which is why I wasn't interested in seeing it. So, I don't know. Like, it's good to see that what I thought was the case turned out to be true. That, like, I trusted my gut on something and it was correct. Girl, I can't believe my mom enjoyed that shit. I'm like, well, I'm glad one of us did. <laughs> She's like, really? You didn't like it? I'm like, trash. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to pop in Lion King when I get home because this ain't for me. I only brought it. I only did this because you wanted to go see it. Now, Aladdin, I enjoyed that shit. Aladdin was actually fucking great. It was fun. I would say I it was good. fun. Will Smith was Will Smith, but it was yeah, it worked. Exactly. <laughs> Of course he's going to be Will Smith. That's why they wanted him. Uh, because true. the thing about redoing like The Lion King is that pretty much anybody who was a part of it, for the most part, like the major players, they're still alive. They And with the exception of James Earl Jones, like they weren't their own big person like, say, Robin Williams. Like they didn't have the clout mm-hmm. of Robin mm-hmm. Williams. And they were making Aladdin, like, very soon after Robin Williams had died. So it was this whole thing of, like, well, do we try to echo Robin Williams' genie? Which I'm would be glad they didn't. impossible. Or do we pick this other character with this other weight, or a similar weight, and have him do his own thing? Right. And I think they made the right choice in doing that. Yeah. That was a smart decision. It was. On that wavelength, talking about Aladdin, Lion King, and even Sonic, because it falls in the same category, how do you feel about we're pretty much remaking the fucking 90s? Throw it away. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. And sure, I don't understand the whole Disney phase that are going through, where it's like, we need to remake all of our old classics. Let's put it in... The cash money, Mickey Mouse money, hyper-realism shit. It would be great. Like, what was it? Cinderella was decent. Then again, we've seen a lot of Cinderella live-action movies. That ain't nothing. The new. only Cinderella Disney movie that I honor in live-action is with Brandy. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yes. if that's the one you're talking about, then I that one that was fine. I can I'm be honest. I, I did watch the Hillary Duff Cinderella. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they have so many Cinderella <laughs> stories. I'm like, it's oh, yeah. played out. <laughs> yeah. We know this story quite I well. I will say that, like, one Cinderella story I really like is Ella Enchanted. And I say Cinderella story. I didn't say Cinderella movie. The book Ella Enchanted, I found it when I was in third grade. And I really liked it. 
But then they remade the movie with Anne Hathaway, who I really like, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to be good. It was not good. It was sorely disappointing. Because <laughs> it's Very- about, like, she, the reason why Ella, her name is Ella, but the reason why she listens to what her family is told is because when she was born, a fairy bestowed a gift of obedience on her. And not realizing that, hey, this could backfire. Mm-hmm. Like, she put, she essentially cursed Ella. And so she's just going through life. And her mother told her, made her swear never to tell. Well, her mother told her, don't tell anybody about the curse. Which obviously she had to follow. So it's this whole thing of like, you know, the evil stepsister and the evil stepmother and then her falling for the prince and then her realizing that her being close and the prince falling for her and her realizing that if they were to be together with her having this curse, she's a liability to the kingdom. Like, it's a good book, but that movie, trash. Trash. <laughs> I know, but like, when it comes to back on topic about remaking the 90s and all these cash grabs, I think it's ridiculous, honestly. Um, and I, I feel it's, it's safe. It and is, yeah. honestly, art isn't supposed to be safe. Mm-hmm. And um, Disney is going through and they're trying to regain the spark of the 90s. Because honestly, the 90s revival that happened for Disney is what saved the company as a unit. I don't know if you two also had to see that movie, um, Waking Sleeping Beauty. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so for our listeners who don't know, it's basically a documentary on how Disney as a company almost went under, like ceased to exist, and just what happened to bring it back and that's when you start getting to the stretch of like Aladdin and Little Mermaid and you know the classics that we think of as Disney classics. Yeah, Disney Renaissance era. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I feel like they feel like they caught lightning in the bottle and they're trying to do it again yeah. and again and again with the same old stuff. Like they don't want to expand and give new stories a chance which is why we have toy story 4 Man. we have we do three. yeah we did <laughs> yeah. i forgot about four i haven't seen I it but heard. i heard it was good i mean uh, you know what i did want to go see it but i probably missed like the first 10 minutes because i was really adamant and getting the icer uh, it was I the first day of summer and all the kids were there and I'm like god damn it because usually I go on five hour Tuesdays during like afternoon where mm-hmm. it's like empty it's just me and the old people but when I went in there there's all these kids I'm like wait a minute what happened oh, no. summer happened <laughs> and, and the line were long and I'm like I miss a nice not just probably like exposition I mean mm-hmm. it was decent it wasn't no Toy Story 3 I give you that Toy Story 3 got to me I got me Girl, we were all crying. We yeah. all sitting there. <laughs> right. Grown as hell. Crying. Like, they about to buy the toy. <laughs> they got a mouth. Like, somebody they get them out. Somebody get them out. <laughs> Did you I'm like, my them? toys are gone too. Did you all like hear this. with that movie that the MPAA, like the um, 
Motion Picture Association of America, they actually issued an apology over the rating of that movie. Oh. Wow. So, um, Toy Story 3 is rated G. And we were just talking. You said what? That's exactly what it was because of the incinerator scene. Mm -hmm. Because that was scary than they anticipated with the MPAA date. They're like, oh, it's Disney, it's Toy Story. We've been down this road before. Slap a G rating on it, keep it moving. But like a lot of people complain that the incinerator scene scared their children. And so the MPAA. It was yeah, it was. It really was because there's not very many movies where you see like the heroes run the risk of being burned alive, (laughs) especially as a child. The only thing that comes to mind right now is Kick Ass when they lit Nicolas Cage on fire. I thought Big Daddy, I think was his name. Real dark shit. When I saw that movie, I was like, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wait, Kick Ass or uh, Toy Story Three? No, no. It was so traumatic. It if was. I ever watched that movie, I skipped that scene. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, I can't. Cause that was, cause he's just sitting there wailing. But anyway. Um, so yeah, they had issued an apology. Like we should have analyzed this better. Um, but wouldn't it made a difference? You still would have taken your child to go and see Toy Story 3 and they still would have been traumatized. You're like, oh. That's Sorry, true. Johnny. Well, you right. know what? There are some parents who yeah. are like, they Girl. really hang their hat on the MPAA ratings. Um, right. I know my family was one because, like, I saw the very first movie, R rated movie I saw without my parents was Idlewild, and I saw it like a few weeks after my birthday, and my dad like flipped his lid because my parents were like very strict growing with me growing up. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, who told you you could go see that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dad, it's rated R. I know. Well, it's for 17 and older, and I'm 17. <laughs> that doesn't mean you can go see it. Like, he was so mad. I went and saw this movie by myself. I had well, a, I went a kid tell me that I was playing Zootopia as I, I was a substitute teacher, and I was in the first grade class. And so she was like, um, Miss Newsom, I... My dad said I can't watch this because it's scary. You know the part when they go savage? It really scares me. So I had to turn the whole movie off in front of a bunch of, like, first graders. They're, like, basically looking at me like, what the fuck? And I was uh, (laughs) one little girl that was just like, the savage part is so scary. And I was like, all right, Mm -hmm. okay. And this is when I go, you know what else is scary, little Susie? When the bunny is just hopping around in the wilderness and it gets snatched up by a (laughs) hop. That is scary, too. You think that's scary? All right, let's play a gentler movie called Watership Down. Don't worry, it's got cute little bunnies in it. (laughs) Do not show your children that movie. (laughs) If anybody can is like, Oh, really? She recommended Watership Down for Children. No, I did not. No, <laughs> I did not do that your kid. I've heard of that shit. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It's incredibly it's grisly. Oh. It's disturbing. Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. It's like, okay. I'll, I'll don't do skip. it. Don't do Heart, it. No. <laughs> but what we can't skip is the next topic about fans' entitlement. 
Starting with Star Wars and the fall of Luke Skywalker because fans were making petitions for The Last Jedi because they weren't feeling that shit. Well, it's the rise of Skywalker, not the fall. I mean, well, it's the fall in this topic because he's not the prince. (laughs) I said what I said. I knew what she meant when I (laughs) did. Well, I'm just trying to, like, think about the tweets we're going to be getting from the mouth breathers who we're, like, might be referencing. Like, you guys told you these girls don't what do you know fake nerd girls i feel like they know star wars <laughs> and i'm like bitch we're gonna be talking about your ass in a couple of episodes please keep on <laughs> just wait for it your time is coming. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about gatekeepers next like, Lord have mercy i'm so up to my i'm so done with gatekeeping but that's a different subject but mm. yes that's probably gonna be episode three y'all can wait on that shit but anywho <laughs> i got two star war heads I actually recently saw the first of the new trilogy, and I'm like, okay, from a VFX, yeah, like, from a VFX perspective, you know, this shit's cute. Story-wise, it's kind of basic, but okay. Yeah, story is basic, but I love the look of it. Oh, it looks Yeah, I did. It was beautiful, and I know this wasn't part of, um, because you're saying you saw, um, the Force Awakens, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, in The Last Jedi, I actually like the crystal foxes. Yes. So, cool ass design, right? I was like, oh my oh gosh, my I want God. one. <laughs> but yeah, no, the, v- the VFX team on Star Wars is always on point. Plus, they got that Disney money because yeah. Disney now owns Star Wars because George Lucas sold it because. The fan base is toxic. Very. Girl, we gonna get the toxic fandom episode two. We I know we gonna get to shit. it. I wanna highlight that at this moment, but and that's Y'all why I think that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that's also kind of speaks to the direction of the storyline. I think mm-hmm. had George Lucas kept the franchise, this most recent trilogy would have been much different. Because mm-hmm. if you really look at it, um, seven, eight, and nine are four, five, and six. Um, like, yeah, they're the same story. Right, yeah, I get what you're saying, yeah. And, he, and here's how you know it's the same story, right? The Force Awakens, they're like, oh no, there's this giant base that the first, the Empire, I mean, the First Order has created to wipe out planetary systems. We need a very good pilot to fly into a small duct and, and blow it up from the inside. And they were like, well, didn't we already do this with the Death Star? And like, this was what the character said in the movie. And they're like, this isn't the Death Star. This is bigger. You're right. And the- <laughs> they sure did. I was like, oh, God. I'm just and the like, worst part. Right. I never, I never watched Star Wars. And even from, like, parodies and Family Guy, I'm watching this like, damn, this show does sound familiar. I'm sure they did this before. Yes. yes. I'm like, so you just solve your problems by shooting in the holes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> An impossible shot that's only a skilled pilot can do. Was it Poe that did it? Or who, who actually shot 
the. <sighs> I think Poe did. Gosh. I think Poe. Yeah, it was Poe. Yeah. I don't know. I will admit, I enjoyed the recent trilogy, but I won't go so far to say it was good. Yeah. Collectively, um, I don't think it was good. To be honest, it wasn't. Um, it was. They were trying to maintain the integrity of the franchise. I feel while also honoring the past storyline yeah, and trying to appease the fans and I think they shouldn't have done that. They Self should... question. Hmm? Now finish your thought. No, I think they should have just done their own thing. They should have looked at the books. They should have done the research because no matter what they were going to do they were not going to please Everybody. the fans. If George nah, Lucas can't please his fans, you, the ultimate fanboy, I forget the director's name, but he... J.J. Abrams? J.J. Abrams, yes. You, J.J. Abrams, aren't going to satisfy George Lucas's fans. Girl. True. Now, in regards to honoring the past, do you really feel they did that? with the treatment of Han Solo, Leah, and Luke. Because that's just one thing I don't like about, like, not even just reboots, but just, I guess, trilogies and sequels when there's a big-ass gap in between. It feels like it's supposed to be a reunion, not a farewell. Yeah. So for me to have to wait those long and then I have to literally say goodbye to people, I just feel painful. Like, it doesn't feel fulfilling. And I'm like, really? That's how y'all gonna, you know, I just wish they had left them alone. Right? Like, why include them only for me just to feel this way? Right, I know. I felt, like, just unsatisfied. It was like, well, what was the point? I mean, it was like fan service, for sure. It was just like, oh, Han Solo, Winnie Falcon, and Look, we can bring them all back. Right. And they're in front of you. And not actually be in a scene together. I'm like, if you don't give it to us, then give it to us. You know, let us get a whole scene with all three of them. And, you know, let us enjoy it. But this whole, like, one movie is about Leia's story. And one movie is about Luke's journey. And the other one, Force Awakens, is about Han's story. And I'm just like, I don't know. It just seemed very messy. It sounds like they was relying too much on the past for the story, and then like we're gonna kill them all, right? So we could say goodbye, but this is the next generation. Almost like how Legend of Korra kind of shits on the old Avatar gang, but they still relied on the essence of the Avatar gang to still sell us that shit. And I'm like, mm, yeah, y'all yeah. can't make a legacy worth a shit. Yeah, and that's the thing. I feel like if you honestly wanted to honor the legacy. You'd make mention of it in almost an honorific sense, and then mm-hmm. you leave it be. But I do, I will say I appreciated seeing Leia as General yes. Organa. Yes, I, I thought do. that was very powerful. Yes, me too. Um, and they, I like that they displayed that she wasn't just the pretty girl, the pretty twin of the powerful guy. They showed that she had just as much power as he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in the, I appreciate it. In the last movie, um, they showed like a clip like Jada, Jada, um, Leia became a Jedi. And I was just like, oh my god, this is amazing. 
Because just to see, I was like, I knew she had force ability as well. I was like, why only Luke? Mm -hmm. They only show Luke having force abilities. And now, you know, having an actual clip in Star Wars that's canon, that Leia was a Jedi. I was so here for that scene. Yeah. Well, you know, and they always kind of talked around it. They just didn't show it. Right. Because, like, there's no way she's going to pull herself out of space for wreckage using the force without being a Jedi. Like, that's just... Yeah. Um, but I feel like, I don't know, they just didn't know what to do with those characters. Mm-hmm. And it kind of annoyed me because they also didn't know what to do with the new characters. Because they, in a sense, they treated Rey and Finn like Luke and Leia. And I didn't like that. Especially because um, in The Rise of Skywalker... Finn is like, yo, there's something I have to tell you to Ray, and he never tells her. And we find out later, or at least I did, because I researched it. Yeah, me too. What Finn wanted to say was that he was Force-sensitive. Yeah. So you mean to tell me we could have had a black Jedi other than Mace Windu? Girl. I know. Another one. Failed opportunity, for sure. So failed. And then, and then to pair her with Kylo freaking Ren. Girl, man, I'm watching this first movie, and I'm like, yeah, I could see y'all trying to make a chemistry, but I don't see it. But Finn is so concerned about her existence. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I can see why y'all want them, because he's like, Ren! Like, I just want to take a shot every time he shots, you know, shouts her name. Maybe that's not even shot. I want to drink a whole a glass. Kagome Inuyasha type vibe. Yes, we yes. should do that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. oh my gosh. <laughs> It'd be cute. We do a live stream every time. Kagome, take a shot. Like, bro, we got oh like, drunk a off one episode. Girl, I'm here like, for it. Let's do it. Yes. The, end, the, the, the whole ending song, My Will Even Came On. We're already just sprawled out on the yep. chair. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I felt like they dropped the ball so many times and just how they should have used the characters. It just, like I said, I liked it and I'll watch it again. But like, I'm not satisfied. Like, because I watched, when I watched Rise of Skywalker, that movie was so predictable to me. Mm. So, and this is going to be spoilers, so those listening who have not seen it, you might want to skip it. We'll put it in the podcast notes how far ahead you should skip. So here are the spoilers. I predicted that they were going to make it seem like they killed Chewie without actually killing Chewie. I predicted that Ray was a Palpatine. I predicted that they were going to do some weird thing to make that shit happen between Kylo Ren and Ray. And I hate that someone was like, oh, well, he wasn't Kylo. He was Ben. Same difference. It's it's the same guy. Is it a tomato or is it a tomato? (laughs) A tomato or is it un tomato? 
Guess what? It's the same it's thing. The same thing. Yep. And it ain't you a know. vegetable, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to figure out what else they predicted. I, I think I predicted the fact that she was going to shoot the ship with lightning. I'm not sure. I knew she was because... going to display the power right there. Yeah. There. Just the way the, it was framed. I was like, oh. Okay, the way it was framed, that. you're like, she's about to shoot lightning. Mm-hmm. She shoots the lightning. She's a Palpatine. And you know what's funny? Because made it obvious that she was Right. Like a I was just going to say, like, I in the in the um, theater, no one was shocked when the lightning came out her hand. It was like, oh, everybody yeah, was no. kind of like, oh, all right. Like, everybody's <laughs> been, like, speculating about her being a Palpatine because they made it very clear she wasn't a Skywalker. So. Right. Yeah. It was like, what and else is left? Kenobi? Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. Right. She's like, either Kenobi or Palpatine. Because exactly. they already showed that they're going to pull from the old to make the new. Mm-hmm. So it's not like she was somebody like Finn. Right. Who just happens to be Force-sensitive. Because those who read the books know that, like, Force-sensitivity isn't a hierarchy. Right. It could be anyone. Exactly, which is why I also feel like this was a wasted opportunity because they focused so much on Skywalker lore as if the Skywalkers were the only Force users that mattered. No, they're like the Windsor family mm-hmm. of the Star Wars <laughs> world. Like, yeah, we get it, you're royal, but you don't really have any power over anything else. you just there as a figurehead. Yeah. But... Yeah, they just it was it, mm. it, it was disappointing. I would say the yeah. trilogy as a whole, that it was just disappointing. And with yeah. all the money and all the the writers and creative people on the team, you know, I appreciate everything that they gave to the trilogy. I just mm-hmm. think overall, like there was some executive decisions that just wasn't. It it just didn't work. It didn't, it didn't, and it felt like they really did try too hard uh-huh. instead of trying to create something new to appeal to the old people, to the old fans. And like I said, if George Lucas couldn't satisfy George Lucas's fans with George Lucas's work, <laughs> what, did, what did J.J. Abrams think he was going to do? He should have just taken it in his own direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, heck, look at The Mandalorian. Yes. That show is... Great. That show was fire, yes. and like, there's no Jedi. No Jedi. No, no. I think they said it one time. They said Jedi, the word Jedi, but that was. It. I think they did it at the at the, the end. very last yep, episode. It was, yep. So that was the only time they're like, "Hey, there were some um, mages." They called, called them like sorcerers, Jedi. right? They called yeah, them- sorcerers. Yep. They called them. Well, let's be honest, it's, it is space magic. It is. <laughs> it's definitely space magic. Because they're like, oh, well, no, we're just, we're absorbing all of the life energy, the, <laughs> everything in the galaxy, we're projecting it, and we're using it for this and this, and everything is in tune with each other. Magic, sweetie, and you're a space magician. <laughs> like Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> a Chia light, lightsaber. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Lumos, we have the lightning. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, on to the next. Mm-hmm. Last After a shitty ass 
ending to uh, relatively uh, season over 1.5 million fans signed a petition to redo season 8 for a game of motherfucking thrones I swear <laughs> I wanted to go to the concerts but I'm like damn my money <laughs> right yeah I'm sure one of the my favorite critiques I've ever heard about Game of Thrones was about the director's D and D, I don't know their names because I didn't, I didn't get into Game of Thrones because um, I'm not one who enjoys the trauma of watching characters I love get I killed. Mean, we didn't either. Mistake. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. well, and I was about to say, then I made the mistake of watching Tokyo Ghoul. So there goes that. <laughs> <laughs> that is, oof, that's rough. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Although that one. In the in Tokyo Go Re, when yes. that guy gets a chainsaw through his head, that's like my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was like that. That because you're like it could have, right? You're like it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but um, my favorite critique of D and D was that they failed their way to the top. Girl, nepotism at its peak. Like, can anybody else do that shit? Because apparently, they didn't have any experience to do a show of this magnitude. How the fuck do you land that kind of a deal? How do you land that gig? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Because they even mentioned that. I saw um, an interview, I read the article, where they had said in the interview that they treated Game of Thrones like film school. Mm Mm-hmm girl like it was just another student project i'm like no it's not (laughs) can you imagine that's your film school like we all went to the same film school but can you imagine hbo's like hey we're gonna have you as a showrunner of this multi-million dollar project and um yeah you just go ahead and you use this as your learning experience while we pay you with the subscriptions of our followers like what Girl, like, what they do there? Yes. Shoot, shoot tell me, because I'm going to sign up. Right? Because <laughs> I looked them up, like, D&D, just to see what other projects they did before Game Girl. of Thrones. And I was looking, I was like, wait. So they were only doing TV shows, right? And then they Girl. just jumped to, like, Game of Thrones. I was like, how the fuck? I was like, what happened right in between the TV show and a million dollar, like, show like how did that come about and i was like nepotism had to be he they knew somebody yeah. up in there yeah who did they know do we know i don't think it was ever like girl said. and just to um just to even just spill more of the tea because we're the house of shade and spilling tea <laughs> <laughs> so db waste he only directed Leslie Jones' Time Machine. Oh, that's in 2020. That bitch is not even out yet. They didn't have any director experience, <laughs> according to their filmography. Get out of here. Undedicated, no given to you by Wikipedia. No. They none. had no other directorial work? No. They and were they just writers. Easy, I mean, oh, yeah, they were just usual. writers. They were just writers. I mean, David Benioff, he was director for 2005 when The Nine Rolls is a short film. Mm. That said, he only have a director 
under his belt for a short film. Other so, like, than he that, they were just writing. his own project. Like, he didn't even have a project by himself that he directed, like, say, Issa Rae. Right. No. No, he was just a writer. He was a writer for 25th Hour, Troy, Stay, The Kite Reiner, Runner, X-Men Origins, Wolverine's Brothers. Oh, wait, Pineapples, wait, pause. They let a writer from X-Men Origins <laughs> be a showrunner for an HBO show? <laughs> because one of the things that makes the X-Men franchise so god-awful is the fact that they don't use any of the actual material. Like, they just, they're like, oh, these are the these characters, this is their abilities, and now we're just gonna put them together. It's like watching a really bad version of The Sims. It's like somebody made Sims of the X-Men, put them in a house, and that's what the X-Men franchise is. And they let a writer from that be, have an HBO show? Girl, yeah, I'm reading this shit. They ain't had no, no director's no. experience. None. Right. And they got Game of Thrones. And the only thing that pretty much saved their asses for most of it is because GGRM, well, GRM, sorry, I'm speaking real fast. He had enough of the groundwork already planned. Can't really fuck up when you have source material. But once you get surpassed the source material, that's when shit started getting shaky. Yeah. Because he's like, this is kind of what he wanted to do, but we're going to just wing it. Well, you say that, but again, X-Men. Yeah, you <laughs> right. Look, my red and I have a white bang. Like, I love X-Men. So, anybody who had any production or had any hand in the production of the X-Men movies, I side-eye hard AF because you literally have this show from the 90s. You have how many decades of comic books and then you release something like, um, it wasn't Days of Future Past, it was, first, it was First Class, where you have Cyclops' younger brother as part of the First Class X-Men before Cyclops was born, and Darwin, who is essentially a god, gets killed. We're going to backtrack even more. They were still rewriting parts of the script with X-Men Last Stand, if I remember that T correctly. They were changing scripts on the set on the set mm, yes wow. changing stories and shit can you while imagine production. what our would have looked like in film school if we did that during MIP <laughs> girl or GIP and it's like that's why the story doesn't make any sense because they were just changing shit on the spot I'm like the script should have been locked but yeah. the characters weren't even it didn't the timelines didn't match up for when these characters no. were supposed to interact with each other. Yeah, not at all. The whole thing is just like the timeline aspect of it, the hotness, and like the stories, and I, I don't know. Disappointing because I watched the animated series, and I was, right, I had we to. all did. Yeah, I watched the um the classic one and X Men Evolution. Evolution is cool. And that was, that's another critique. I know we keep talking about, like, I know we're talking specifically about the last season of Game of Thrones, and I'm just stuck that they let somebody off of a failed franchise, like, the... <laughs> well, I view the X-Men movie franchise as, like, as, like, 
a failed thing because nobody likes the movies. I have not heard anybody who was like, man, you see that new X-Men? Yo, that movie was dope. Like, they like 30-second clips. Like, they like specific scenes, like Quicksilver running through the mansion as it's exploding. Like, they like little stuff like that. They don't like the whole thing as a unit. And these people, they were given, they were given a walkthrough on one of the biggest HBO projects of the decade. And they were allowed to like work that out. And yet they, they couldn't operate off of the source material. There's more source material in X-Men than there is in Game of Thrones. And they couldn't get X-Men right, but they expected them to get Game of Thrones right. Make it make sense, Lord. Nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got Deputy Bobby Boo the job. I'm like, how, Sway? <laughs> oh, just like that. Like, ah, oh, gosh. Like that, that's why I'm getting stuck on. Because had I known that from Jump, I would have been told y'all that that stuff was going to fail, especially in the last season. Because now they got to get creative and make up stuff. And they weren't even, were they even working with George R.R. R. Martin when they did the final season? Because even he know. was looking at the final season like, yeah, no, that ain't okay. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't know either. Then again, if they were, then it would have better foreshadowing that Danny was going to go fucking nuck if you buck on all of King's Landing. Right. Exactly. But he didn't even like that ending. He didn't like the fact that Danny lost her mind. He was like, mm, no. And then, like, they I think he alluded to, like, him. it was similar, as in he would have ended it similar, but he would have done it differently. Right. I think that was the end goal for Danny's character yeah. was to eventually lose it, but I think the way they executed wasn't going to be right. the same way. That. Because the execution just pretty much was like her team became mediocre. Yeah. The smartest yeah. guy in the room yeah. became the dumbass. Tyrion? Like Tyrion. Yeah. How I the fuck? That. Yeah. Because I like, like his quotes. Oh, Especially like, when he slapped at that little brat. That was my favorite. Woo, yes. That was my favorite shit. <laughs> that, <was. laughs> that and what is it? Uh, I forget what scene it is, but like I heard it was a very emotional scene, you know. Um, Joffrey gets choked up. Everybody else gets choked up. It was a beautiful thing. <laughs> well, you talk about the Joffrey's death. Oh, okay. The purple wedding. Yes, that was my favorite scene. Was, they call it the purple wedding because yeah. the there was a red wedding. Yeah, and because yeah, everyone, he had a red wedding, mm-hmm. and that was the yeah. red where like I think it was like the whole Stark family got wiped out or something. Not the whole, st- but just two of them. Yeah, died. Just two of them. Oh, and a woman who was pregnant. pregnant. They just yeah. stabbed her right in the belly Bruh. of the uterus. And I'm That's, like, no! Yeah, that was rough. And, and then <laughs> no, they got I some crossbows and they shot up his dire wolf, cut his dire wolf okay. head off and put it on his body. Yes. What the puppy do to you? Oh, they killed dire wolves. Like, it hurt me every single time a Man. dire wolf died. I was like, why do they keep coming for the dire wolves? But I know they CG at this point, but mm-hmm. still, I was so emotionally <laughs> connected with these dire wolves and this shit broke my heart. Me too. Time. Like, when they killed Lady, I knew this show <laughs> yep. wasn't shit. Then again, <laughs> I like, you knew this done. show wasn't shit from the jump. You like no, episode one, I'm getting it. to know everything, and then you push a child off a tower? Yes. That first episode, I was just like, oh, this, this kind of show. But then That's me and my dad was like, king, right? What'd you say? 
the one that got pushed out the, um, the tower because he ended up getting being the king, right? Yep. Yeah, the three eye raven. I mean, it's not it's not even what's his name again? I forget. Brian. Brian. No, I'm the third eye raven now. I am no longer your brother. I like, bitch, no slap wife. his ass. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> he like Cersei's son? No, no, that's um, that's <laughs> Ned Stark and Catelyn Stark's son. Their youngest. Yeah. Was it the youngest? No, the second. Youngest. No, second youngest. Yes. All I know is he got pushed out the tower because he saw Cersei have sex her brother. Her brother. Yes. And they were mm-hmm. like, oh no, you can't hear that, or you can't see this. And then Jamie's like, the things I do for love push his yes. ass out yes. the window. <laughs> and then Caitlin's like, my baby don't fall. My baby could climb. Why the fuck this nigga hit the floor? Yeah, she, and then that's like, she well, knew. gravity. She knew shit. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, uh-uh, this don't seem right. She even went through rooms and she's like, "Who, whose yellow hair is this, Ned? <laughs> Cersei was in this bitch. She hurt my baby. Yeah, like, she baby. knew it was the way. I was like, oh my gosh. Man, but when they killed Caitlyn, I'm like, God damn it, this show. Yes. That was Mama Bear. I love Caitlyn. Sorry. But with, with all the emotional peaks and valleys we went through, that last season, even the ending, just make you feel, ugh. Like, have you ever had a series that had a great ending? Because that's why I haven't seen it. Yeah. Not like that. That shit was real, like, happy. And I was like, this is Game of Thrones. You fucking destroyed us for eight years. And this is how <laughs> you want to end the show? Everybody goes I'm like, you destroyed way. us for eight years and Cersei died by construction? Yes. Yeah, the, that she should have had a, a worse death. No offense, but... She should have died no, a, a different way. Woman. She yes. should have died at like the hands of a sword or somebody. She had no, a, so like, she okay, needs some gruesome death. It, but like, I know a lot about. So let me say this. But yeah, when I heard, because I know about Cersei and her and how she's crazy and malicious and conniving, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so for her to die by bricks falling on her, I'm like, that's so anticlimactic. Like as a villainess, she deserves something better. Yeah. Hello. Like she any had, good villain deserves a good death, and that ain't it. Right. She had the sand sea snakes murked. Yeah. She had <laughs> this woman watch her daughter die, die mm-hmm. from poison and watch her body rot. Yeah. Until they both, until she died. I'm like, that's some cold hard shit. Yes. She, she blew up the whole nun, citadel. I was like, I don't know what um, the mount. What was he called? The uh, the, mountain. the mountain, yeah, what he, the zombified mountain did to that nun that was saying shame to her. Ooh. And I was just like, I don't Ooh. even want to imagine. I was Ooh. like, yeah, that, that whole scene, I was just like, Cersei is Ooh. horrible. Ooh. And, and she, she can she, die by construction. Yeah, she, she wiped out a whole stuff. family line. She did. The Tyrells yes. were murked. Yes. <laughs> no, nobody got that name anymore. It's just, it's Damn. dark. <laughs> it's the point old Lynn is like you know what fuck this bitch cause my kid grandkids are gone yep. I love that my she admitted is... to the end at the end when she was like oh yeah I killed that mm-hmm. nah, oh, she yeah, like, I know about that one tell, nah tell she made sure me. Jamie gave her some points yes. and that wasn't gonna hurt like if it's gonna hurt nah you'll die peacefully okay <sighs> yeah I kill yourself right <laughs> <laughs> savage yes, savage <laughs> one of my favorite characters <laughs> Tell Cersei it was me. Yeah, tell her it was me. <laughs> I was like, is this a gangster? 
Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, that that would set me over the like as a villain. If I was a villainess, that would have set me over the edge too. You mean you confess to murdering my son, and I can't do to you what I have done to others who have done less? Right, right, <laughs> girl. She was pissed at Jamie. She's like, and you let the bitch just die like that? He said, well, yeah, she old. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's not sick like like um Stacey was, though. He's you know he was you fucked know up, what it like, was sick. What. It was sick when he fucked Brienne and he still left. Yeah, like, that's why you don't fuck fuck boys. Yes, I was like, and I had a feeling he was gonna leave her too. I was just like, Brienne, don't don't give him the pussy. No, don't save it for somebody else. Don't give him no virginity. And, but she gave it a fucking Jamie, Jamie one handed ass Lannister. Yes. Broke down <laughs> Lannister. Yes, ultimate fuck boy Lannister. No man. Oh gosh. <laughs> He left you to go back to his crazy ass sister. He left you for his sister, bro. Oh, God. Mm, you know, that's what royals do. It keeps the bloodline pure and defective. The thing uh, is, though, every it was it was a shameful rumor that his father can't stand. So he's looking at Atlanta like, "Well, your grandson gay." He's like, "Well, he's gay, but brothers and sisters, right? Exactly." Mm. <laughs> and then Tywin like, "You salty bitch! How dare you <laughs> throw that in my face?" That was like, like the my best f- moments of the show. Just some of the dialogue and the banter, and I was just like, "This, like, I live for those scenes." I didn't necessarily care for the violence as Aspect of the violent parts of it, but the dialogue—oh my god, some great writing! And just but hearing it go the downhill count- after or um, before the last season, though. Like I heard, everything just went down. Like oh, I saw yeah, that the last one. Season, I- the, the writing, like I think I can think maybe this one or two like scenes of like strong writing in in the last season, but other than that, not much. I didn't gather much from that last season. I just didn't like some of the quote unquote artistic choices. Of yeah, because just to get Danny to that point, you have to do a lot of bullshittery. Uh-huh. As in, Tyrion had to be incompetent. She had to lose her token black friend. She had to lose some <laughs> dragons. And I'm like, that. I'm like, so that's what we're doing. Right. Oh yeah, she can't fuck her cousin no more, or her nephew, yeah, so her nephew cousin pissed, son. She was pissed about that. <laughs> I'm like, this is what we doing. Uh. All in one season, okay? Right. Yeah. I'm like, well, and I, I think the season, I think the season before that was significantly shorter. So it's like you just cut yourself by the legs by shortening these seasons mm-hmm. and not giving everything as due diligence, right? So I can understand why people were mad, but I ain't about to waste no money, time, and resources to redo another fucking season. It is what it is. At this point, you just might as well buy the fucking books. Yeah, because and and I agree with it. Although I do feel why people are mad, because from a um from a film perspective, like as someone who's um had to do film assignments and stuff like that, um I did see. The somehow they got well, they have cable at my job and in the break room, like they have HBO where they have the cable. And I don't, I don't know who did that, but they were it was after the show had ended and they had 
they were showing the long night, like the Ooh. long war at night. Or I love that called. episode. Can't see shit. Because I heard about it and people were like, and I heard that basically D&D were just like, eh, suckers, we know what we're doing. And we like it this way. And they're just like flipping off everybody. And they're just like, yeah, we're edge lords. This is done perfectly. Mm-hmm. And like, even the, um, the guy in charge of the lighting was like, well, I know it was lit well because I did it. <laughs> I saw that scene and I was like, what am I supposed to see? They're like, well, it's supposed to be dark because it's at night. Yeah, but even if, if there's like no cloud cover, you're still going to see stuff. And then also you have to take it to effect that the viewer has to see it. And they're like, well, no, it was supposed to represent that it was confusing and dark because nobody can see anything. Yes, but we are, the viewer is always outside of the world. We are somebody who is outside of the world looking in. Mm-hmm. So we can see what the characters cannot. Right. That's how it is, period. And here you are, you have this scene where the outsider can't see anything like yeah you want it to be immersive but it's i might as well just watch the scene blindfolded like i just have the audio cranked up because they're like well it has to do with your tv settings yeah that okay. really bothered me because i'm like no nobody needs to they shouldn't have to read uh i would what would you call it like Adjuster, yeah, adjuster settings till they can see your show. Like that was just that was dumb. I was like, no. I will, I will play devil advocate because I watched the making of that episode. I did how they structured it. it, Girl, it was amazing. Yes, but how they structured it, like it's supposed to be. I girl, let me finish. I saw. Let me finish. Let me finish. Because it, when you look at how they were breaking it down. It made sense, but as the viewer, you weren't realizing why it made sense because you're trying to see shit. Right. It right. was like as like it was part action movie, part mystery, and part horror. Yeah. So when you divide it that way, it kind of makes sense why it was so fucking dark because it's supposed to be overwhelming. That like for example, what was that? The Kalazar, uh, the Dothraki. Yeah. They were just annihilated. Extinct. They went that into the darkness scene. and they were snuffed the fuck oh, out. Bro, when I, you can't oh, see I watched shit that on the big screen. It was like pitch black in my house, and just seeing that and like the the sound, the audio, it was like the girl. oh my god, that gives me like goosebumps just thinking about that. So <laughs> with that scene, I could see why it being dark was purposeful because you're not supposed to see the zombies. You're not supposed to know how big this army really is to cast a shadow that these people really don't stand a fucking chance. So when you do see them, it's like, ah, shit. Yes. So from like mood and tone standpoint, it makes sense. It's just as the audience, we're so used to seeing the calamity coming to us that we're like, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Mm-hmm. It was a highly anticipated fight since like season one. We've been talking about the Night King. What's going on? What's going on? I can't see shit. And we all like that woman in the meme squinting down on the knees. Just like, <laughs> y'all, y'all see anything out yonder? 
So, by some point, it makes sense. Now, when the dragons were fighting, I'm like, you could stop being too dark now. We had that shit for, like, the first third of this show. Let's have some different lighting. Let's set some different tones so we can get into this shit. Yeah, that was definitely when he was fighting. When he was fighting Viserion, I felt that shit. I'm like, come on, CG. <laughs> come on, VFX. Yeah. Got fire coming out of half of his face because it's yes, that like, was yes. Yes. beautiful. <laughs> Come beautiful through, zombie dragon. <laughs> so then, would you think that it would have been better if they had started out dark, where they couldn't see the zombie army, and then later they lightened it up? Because weren't the dragons flat? Because if I recall what I saw correctly, which it was hard because again, it's a it's a it's a break room, so it's not like I could turn off the lights and boost the sound. You know, it's yeah. like, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could set the atmosphere. Heck, those TVs are so old, nobody even knows how to adjust the settings <laughs> on the TV. Like, so not, and I'm speaking as somebody who used to work with TVs, so I know how to adjust the settings on quite a few TVs. Most people don't initially think that. But, um, weren't the dragons fighting and blowing fire, like, in that scene? Wouldn't that some have of been it. a light source? Some of it. As in, at some point, like, some point she was, and then it wasn't working, and so she had to stop. Like, but, like she didn't start blowing fire until people were, like, pretty much dying left and right. Yeah. And she's like, I gotta go save them! Go down there! <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bitch, they go! Yeah. <laughs> so should she, so should, do you think then that the lighting should have, once you get past the oh, God, this army is endless. They're the zombie army. We don't know how many years, but now we're getting an idea of the gravitas of the situation. Do you think that maybe they should have altered the yeah, um, like once, exposure? Like, once they got into, like, action movie mode, that's when they should have switched things up. Yeah. But okay. then they went back to, like, horror mode because you had Arya yeah. going through, having, like, a Silent Hill moment, mm-hmm. just going through this little secret-ass room, trying to hide from the zombies. But now the lighting's kind of, like, more blue, and you have, like, orange from the fireplace. So it was more lit than before, but they were still keeping a whole overall dark overtone. Yeah, because they wanted that but whole when, But that night scene, when they were up in the sky trying to find the Night King on the other dragon, I'm like, y'all could have do something different, because I'm seeing the same color scheme. Mm-hmm. It's dark as shit. Mm-hmm. Let's change it up just a little bit. So what do you think of the protection team's, like, middle finger to the fans who complain? Because, obviously, they it wasn't geared towards me because I don't watch the show and I'm not interested in watching the show. But how do you feel as a consumer that they basically said, well, the problem isn't us, it's you? I'm, why it, Why garner a response? Yeah, that's why they shouldn't have said anything. You did the job months ago. Why even respond? That's the thing I petty. question about, right? Well, that's why I question the whole thing about social media when it comes to fan entitlement you don't have to interact with these fans they don't know who the cinematographer is but you came out the woodworks to let us know that it was us and not you because you your ego felt attacked boy you already got paid Shh. right yeah i just again because it's, it's not geared towards me because i am not a game of thrones fans i'm a fan i don't have the books i have no interest in the show well, at least not in watching the show, because like I said, I'm not one who enjoys watching characters or 
like animals getting slaughtered. Um, but like, I just thought it was so classless, so tacky. Very tacky. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to do all that. Like, even Kit Harrington, when he was trying to defend against the petition, you already picked up your check. You don't have to engage with people anymore about this show. It's over. Right. People can make as many petitions as they want. It's over. I get you probably spent so much of your life in this show, and it was your breakout role, and you got so close and interpersonal with the creators and the cameramen and all of that. But after some point, you just need to unplug and not engage on that level. Because you're right. I mean, you can't please everyone. So why even have trying to have a commentary with everything? Yeah. All you're going to do is dig yourself a hole. And it like, seems like that's what they did. Because it seems like mm-hmm. a lot of people lost respect for mm-hmm. Kit Harrington defending it. They lost respect for even more respect. Like, cause yeah, people could have googled IMDb, whatever the um cinematographer, but it seems like nobody, everybody felt that was such an immature thing to do. Yeah. And so then, how does that look as a professional? Like you just got off of this big project. project. Yeah. It just ended, and now you're getting into Twitter fights with Girl. the fandom. That's like, not very cash money of you. No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> like you already got paid for the job. Just let it be. Because yeah, right the now they're going to bitch about the writing, the writing about the last season, not about your dark ass scene. <laughs> right. Because, yeah, people are complaining about it, but and they were loud about the complaints about it. But, like, I mostly heard complaints about the writing. Girl, and the writing in the Starbucks cups. Yeah. <laughs> and the water bottles. got lazy. I was like, how they said, y'all? Making those kind of mistakes. They like, fuck this thing. Right. <laughs> right. Who's in charge of the mise en scene? Like, come on. Right. They literally have people paid who are supposed to be on set to make sure everything things, is, yeah. Everything's in place. Everything is supposed to be in the scene. It's in a certain way. You know, what doesn't need to be seen. Man, I'm surprised on myself. I'm just saying, go off there and <laughs> one of the episodes as sloppy as they were. Right. Starbucks? Starbucks One of the most iconic um, coffee Right! It wasn't like some like Pete's coffee. Right. Like international. Right. I'm mad they took the time to take it out. Like, nah, keep that shit in there. It's funny. It's just water. Yeah, in the water behind the the chair. Yes. It's not some Don Julio or Kirkman signature. Like, it was was some Starbucks. Yes. Everybody recognizes Starbucks, <laughs> and y'all left that there. I feel and then, like and then the worst part of all, it wasn't even the actors' coffee. It was one of like maybe the camera people because Danny's like, yeah, the actors don't even have that much access to that kind of shit. We're not drinking this coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense because they serve craft there, and who's gonna honestly try to have Starbucks catered as a craft table? Like really. <laughs> I wanted soy milk. This is almond. Like, who wants to deal with that? Right. Yeah, that would have me. I'm like, the almond was mine, bitch. Hand that over. (laughs) (laughs) The almond was mine. Gosh, but, like, I feel what kind of gets me about this whole experience of Game of Thrones is that all the money thrown towards them, all the money, all the opportunity they had, 
ended on such a sour note. Girl, I swear, with all the accolades and attention it got, that end resolve just wasn't what anybody anticipated. Yeah. It 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 felt like a downer. It did. Eight years, and that's that's how you, you end it, you know? That's why people are mad. We committed eight yes, damn that's years. Like a majority of my, that's like going to high school and yes, college back yes, to back. What it was. It's just like that's a lot of time. You remind me of though. You remind me of the teacher from Daria, the like man hating one. Yeah. Eight long years of my life catering <laughs> <I laughs> to some man. <laughs> Yes. Not only y'all about catering to some show, but can't even give me a satisfying finish. Ending. Right, exactly. <laughs> show didn't. Yeah. It's like after that, I'm like, damn, what I'm supposed to watch now? Westworld? <laughs> Shoot, Insecure by Issa Rae. Be here for that. Yes, season four coming out. You I know, gotta get back I into lost it my HBO, so I missed out so much. We only got HBO for Game of Thrones, and once that shit flopped, we turned that shit off. Like, y'all took away Disney Plus when Mandalorian was up. Like, we're good. Click. (laughs) (laughs) No, keep Disney Plus because True Confessions is on there, and that was good. True Confessions? What's that? I ain't got no Disney Netflix. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Yeah, girl, that's Disney Netflix. I forgot what Disney Plus was, so when I was talking to Tiffany, like, yeah, it's on that Disney Netflix. She like Drea. That was Drea that's Disney Netflix. Like, old uh, old but cool drunk ass auntie <laughs> who like forgets what things are called and she'll like say some things and you just like, Oh, auntie <laughs> <laughs> It's my job. It makes me tired. But yes, I ain't got that Disney Netflix. I need to find somebody with it. I ain't nobody it. trying to have all of these Yay! Oh, you don't you have to send to that. We can't be putting that out there. Oh, I'll send this whole thing back in. I'll send it to you. Girl, no, this I mean, is cousin culture. Don't share the on the podcast. Oh. You don't have to edit that one out. <laughs> oh. But, right. um, True Confessions is it's actually Shia LaBeouf's very first dramatic role, and nobody, like, I checked on IMDb or like Wikipedia or both of them, and only one of them had a slight mention of it. So. Wow. Um, but it's about this girl who likes to, she wants to be a filmmaker. She wants to be on TV and she has a twin brother. Her name is true. And she has a twin brother. Um, I forget the twin brother, but he's played by Shia LaBeouf and her twin brother has autism. And so she's trying to think of like a movie to make and she ends up centering a movie on him and it ends up. Build, making them bond better and it just kind of highlighted like the struggles that they were going through like the brother um Shalabas character there's like he deals with like people calling him a retard mm. um and true like is standing up for him but she's also kind of like exasperated sometimes because like she wants to live her life as a regular teenager, but she also kind of has to kind of scale things back to kind of cater to her brother because mm-hmm. he has a developmental issue. Their father has no patience for him at all. Like, his, their dad was trash to the end, honestly. And the mom, she's just kind of stuck in between because she's, 
trying to take care of the family and meet everybody's independent emotional needs. But um, autism in the family, from what I've researched, is very difficult. Um, families, parents with autistic children have a 90% divorce rate, which is higher than like military divorce rates. So, um, it, it was such a good movie and there are scenes where Shia LaBeouf's character is just having full on breakdowns and like, you can't help to sh- but shed a thug tear here and there. <laughs> a thug tear. What's the name of it? like you try to be true confessions, T-R-U confessions. Okay. And Disney Channel aired it. It was a decom. Um, movie and Disney Channel aired it for like three months and then they took it off air they never showed it again and I had recorded it on VHS because I knew it was the last time they were going to show it but the Bears played that Sunday and my brother grabbed the first VHS he could see and recorded over my movie so was that no keep on going so I honestly did not get to see that movie until I was on the plane. So around Thanksgiving, when I had went to visit my in-laws in Florida, I watched, I had downloaded it to my phone and I watched it. Oh my God. It was just as good as I hoped it would be. Can we have a moment of silence to just show our age? She recorded on a VHS. I was, I was just, hoping we would ignore that. Because <laughs> when you said that, I thought back, I'm like, I remember when I used to record you know, Yasha episode on my VHS. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's a throwback. <laughs> remember recording Toonami? Yes, I was just about yes. to say, I used to record Gosh. like Do Yasha and everything else. <laughs> I used to record Sailor Moon because I was in, um, you know, they have like the Latchkey Kids laws and you're like, legally not supposed to be left at home mm-hmm. by yourself until you're like 13 well my mom just so happened to run a daycare so i actually stayed in daycare till i was 18 mm-hmm. so all the tsunami all the anime everything that i liked i couldn't watch because i was in daycare and of course there's no cable at daycare why would they do that <laughs> but um but we had a selection of you know vhs tapes that we could watch but i wanted to watch my anime so I didn't know about the other animes. I was still just kind of getting into it. And I ended up recording. And I, um, I don't even know how I got into Sailor Moon. But um, I recorded Sailor Moon every day. And I would come home. And my mom was watching dinner. I would watch Sailor Moon. And I would dance along with the music. Because the new music is fire. Yes, it was. Oh, gosh. I remember for your wedding, I almost like, yo, we should play this trap Sailor Moon trap. Oh, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, for our moon, listeners, so for my wedding, I actually had a Sailor Moon theme. Um, it was really nice. My wedding was really nice. I, de- I definitely, in like 10, after Shamari and I have been married for like 10 years, I want to do a vow renewal ceremony and like just go all out because I couldn't go as big as I wanted. But I think I'm going to go a little bit bigger. But yeah, that Sailor Moon Trap music, us coming down the aisle like that, that would have been hilarious. Fight, 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 <laughs> Can you imagine me twerking down the aisle on the arm?
arm of my father, the minister, to say the Sailor Moon trap song. I never heard the Sailor Moon trap song, so I got. I'm it's gonna send it to you. Tone. I'm gonna send it to you. It was done by Adorned by Chi. Okay. Which is like a black girl who like anime company. Okay. So they have that, and then there's this other rapper. He has this song. I forgot. It's called Sailor Moon. I'm about to look it up right now, and he just makes like weird music. Um, gosh. His name is Lil Booty Call. And what? <laughs> I you gotta found warn his... us before you say shit like that. I'm like, his name is what? I tried to. I didn't know how to bring it up. But like, like... y'all, don't trip. But his name is now. Nah, you thought his name is Lil Booty Call, huh? <laughs> his, name, yeah, his name is Lil Booty Call. He gonna do what to my ass? <laughs> All one word. He trying to call. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Get out this whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all gonna kick me off the podcast. <laughs> Going over. Okay, takes off my headphones. Um, <laughs> but like he did this song to um, the rest of the music, and oh, he did it to like some of the instrumentals. He did a rap on top of that. So I like it. I will send it to you all later. Um, I found it on Adorned by Chi had made an anime girl like podcast. So, I will send it to you all. We could possibly link it, because I've heard it on Spotify, but I have it because I have Apple Music. And um, we can link it to the podcast, and then everybody can hear it. We all gonna get our Trap Magical Bitches on. (laughs) That should be a new category drama. What is it? Trap Magical Girl Bitches. (laughs) I mean... We can make the change we want to see. We could get that on the poppin' right now. Hey. <laughs> like we got this podcast on and poppin'. Just like that, y'all. That was our first episode of Afro Puffin' Bubblegum. All right. Hey. Yay. 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 <laughs> gang, gang. <laughs> the first step on this journey. But we will see you next time when we continue our topic on fan entitlement and this next part will be fan service and dealing with inclusivity. Alright. Oh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. bye. We're all in harmony like bye. <laughs> right? <laughs> like we're singing it just like bye. Bye. <laughs>